right, good morning, folks. Today is Monday, July 24th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 414 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. Let me get the mic, camera, everything all adjusted. Coming in hot. Haven't even had the coffee yet, y'all. But we're going to have a good show for you today. Let me get lined up on the camera, too. It was a good weekend, guys. So, uh, kind of coming in, coming in for a landing that like very much with like a 50 knot crosswind, and I'm trying to battle some stuff here. But we're, we got a good one for you. My name is Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Laura Flores, Andy McPherson, Leon Elliott, Shuttle Crab, Ms. Julian, people on LinkedIn, people on YouTube, Simply Cyber community members, squad members, new timers and first first timers and old timers alike are going to be shredding through the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner or if you uh, are breaking into the industry, you're new to the industry, uh, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're first time here because you're trying to figure it out. There's going to be value for you here. Believe that. You're going to learn terminology, concepts. You'll learn the players. You'll learn why we're locked in this ever-infinite battle of cat and mouse with flaming donkey and other apts and you're going to get some serious networking up in here travis w philip martin senfilis jenny housley haircut fish they all know about the networking value linkedin people don't be strangers say what's up if it's your first time here say hashtag first timer in chat let us know it's your first time uh in chat we do enjoy welcoming our first timer people here hey what's up left coast nick barker getting up early my man Guys, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE. And if you don't know what CPEs are, that's fine. No sweat. Um, you don't need them. <laughs> Honestly, trust me. If you do know what CPEs are, it's because you, you've been told that you need them uh, to maintain your certifications. Each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast is worth half a CPE. So be sure to say what's up. It stacks two and a half a week, 10 a month. In my opinion, document the easiest and most enjoyable Obviously, I'm very biased in saying one of the very best ways to get CPEs. But hey, you know what? I've been here every day, 414 days, <laughs> uh, shows in a row, with with that, uh, exceptions, right? Eric Taylor, Jack Scott, Josh Mason have covered for me. But I, I'm team, I'm team replay on those days or team live. If you're live in chat, hashtag team live in chat. Bushan Jungande, hashtag first timer, my man. Or my lady, I'm not sure. I think that's uh, male, but you know, either way, we're happy to have you. Hashtag Team Replay. If you're on Team Replay, hashtag Team Replay. Do enjoy engaging in the comments on Team Replay. Uh, I'll <clears throat> I'll comment on jawjacking. Oh, good, got some love on the Cyber Unlock book. I'll I'll share more about that uh, at the mid roll if people are interested on that. Um, dude, I really did enjoy hashtag Team Replay giving me um, context on newspapers. I lost my mind about the end of newspapers on Friday and a lot of people in chat still getting newspapers. <laughs> so it's all good. Hashtag team replay. Uh, love listening to the show. Jake Osborne says when I get to work, uh, got to get a sock analyst job soon. Thanks, Gerald. My pleasure, Jake. Great to have you. Guys, if you are shy, you've been here a while, you're, you know, for whatever reason, you don't really chat. May I recommend hashtag passive observer in chat uh just basically so you could take a screen cap and uh, get credit for the cpes but more importantly so you can take that first step into professional networking and 
begin kind of that journey. I'm telling you guys, professional networking is incredibly valuable. I, I literally had a need. Um, I literally had a need on um, for something for work on Thursday last week. And I just reached out directly to someone in my network who I believed could do the work and do it really well. And now she and I are talking about a potential job. You know what I mean? Networking is incredibly valuable. Now, uh, I do want to point out, I forgot I put it there. I do have the uh, little QR code in the corner. Also, I see, hold on one second. The, the chat box has gone too far. What are we doing here, guy? Let me get this chat box sorted out. Uh, there we go. A little tightened up. Uh, I'm not sure why uh, people would be spicy about that. If it's QR code, I'll tell you why at Jawjacking if you want to know why the QR code's there. Eric Taylor's upset that it's over chat. Uh, allow me. Hold on. Let me put it somewhere else. Can't can't have Eric Taylor upset. You guys, you guys know Eric Taylor. You can't. This you can't. Hold on, let me. Can I do it? Where, where can I stick it, Eric? Right here. How's that? How's this? Right here. Doink. Let's give that a shot. All right. And I'll explain why I have a QR code there. It basically goes to the YouTube channel. So if you're already on YouTube, don't sweat it. If you're LinkedIn and want to go to YouTube. There's one reason why it's there. All right, guys. So um, before we get into the news, we're right there on the cusp. But I do want to say shout out and thanks, starting with uh, the sponsors, Barricade Cyber Solutions, a.k.a. Eric Taylor, the man um, giving me some spice around my QR code. Um, there is a reason for the QR code. But there, I want to say what's up and love to Barricade Cyber Solutions, a longtime sponsor of the podcast Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. They also get spicy about QR codes if you put those in there without running it by them. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that if you have a cyber problem, yo, they can solve it. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. I uh, love seeing that BCS uh, logo in in chat. Hashtag uh, squad members throwing love at Barricade. Also want to say shout out and love to another stream sponsor, Anti-Siphon Training, the training arm of Black Hills Information Security. Their pay-what-you-can uh, courses are amazing. There's eight of them. They actually have dozens and dozens of courses on demand and in person um, available. But their pay-what-you-can are excellent. There's eight of them here, and three of them are taught by John Strand himself. Look, I'm wearing a black, I didn't even realize, I'm wearing a Black Hills Information Security shirt right now. This is how much I love this company. They are awesome. Uh, Nick Barker, Stephanie, uh, Laura Flores dropping uh, John Strand emotes in chat. This is the man, John Strand, and um, it's definitely worth checking out. At a minimum, even if you don't need any training right now, bookmark it. Links in the description below. Also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi, but more about them at the mid-roll. Now, do me a favor, sit back and relax, and let's let the cool news wash over us in an awesome wave. Cybersecurity headlines. It's Monday, July 24th, 2023. Microsoft keys stolen by Chinese hackers provided access far beyond Outlook. 
The private encryption key used by Chinese hackers to break into the email accounts of high-level U.S. government officials, as disclosed last week, also gave them access to a vast array of other Microsoft products, according to new research from cloud security firm Wiz. In a blog post published Friday, Shir Tamari, head of research at Wiz, said further investigation has revealed the compromised key would have given the hacking group, which Microsoft calls Storm 0558, access to far more than Outlook, spanning many other Microsoft services that use the same authentication process. This includes every application that supports personal account authentication, such as SharePoint, Teams, OneDrive, customers' applications that support the login with Microsoft functionality, and multi-tenant applications in certain conditions. This all according to Tamari's blog. Although Microsoft revoked the affected key, Wiz warned that a sophisticated APT could have used the access and time to build in backdoors or other forms of persistence into victim systems and accounts. Further, any applications that rely on local certificate stores or cached keys may still be using the corrupted key and would be vulnerable to continued exploitation. A link to the Wiz blog is included in the show notes to this episode. Wow. Uh, okay. This is not good. Um, we recovered this story. We covered this story last week. And if you recall, I don't see the link to the blog post. I, I do want that link. Is this it right here? No. Um, we'll, we'll find the link to the blog post in, in a second. Uh, here, uh, here it is. We covered this last week in chat, uh, or, or excuse me on, on stream. Let me, I'm going to drop a link blog post, Microsoft, uh, APT issue. Okay. We covered this last week. It was originally reported that only 25 uh, government accounts had been compromised. Uh, there was also some indicator that it wasn't like directly um, people, civilians or military in the government. It was, you know, pro uh, pro professional services contractors like Booz Allen or whatever uh, in support. Um, it was one of those ones where we reported, okay, this is like, this was terrible, but because they caught it when they caught it, way to go, Microsoft. Um, this wasn't nearly as bad as it could have been. Lesson learned. Wipe your brow. Now it's coming out after this whiz thing that, and it's important to note the word could is used here. The attackers were able to get uh, an authentication uh, certificate, right? Or, a, you know, a, a, a signed certificate, which would allow them to create their own, uh, excuse me, they got a signing key, which would allow them to create their own access tokens, create their own, um, certificates basically to to validate and authenticate um, and legitimize malicious stuff. Now, what's really, 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 really bad about this, as they noted in the story, is that this has like you would you would wish on a good day that twenty five compromised email accounts is what happened, and you can kind of see it in this blog post. By the way, shout out to the color scheme on whoever made this infographic. I love it. Um, it looks like the Cyber Unlocked book, which is probably why I'm partial to it. This key would allow everybody that's using Microsoft, right? So, you know, my, my company uses Office 365. If you complain about Teams, your company probably uses Office 365 too. When you log in, we're all logging into the same place, right? There's these different tenants and the way that Office 365 and Azure knows how to serve us, our instance, our tenants, our um, slice of heaven up in Azure is by who we are when we're authenticating and everything like that. So with this key, they say in the story, 
threat actors could have basically compromised not just government, but like anyone, Fortune 500, you know, uh, U.S. government, uh, you know, other international governments. Like this was a a golden key, essentially. And as they also pointed out in the store, this would allow threat actors to, yes, the, the key got revoked. So now they can't do anything with that. But dude, if you look at the cyber attack kill chain, you know, register trademark Lockheed Martin, right? If for a, if you're a red team or a pen tester, you know what I'm talking about. If you're new here and you've never heard of the cyber attack kill chain, go look at it. Okay. But like step three, four of the cyber kill chain. Let me actually pull it up on chat. Right. Uh, all right. Well, different companies have different freaking um, takes on it, but I think this is the original one, right? Lucky Martin. Um. Well, okay. So of course I get, I get, I get, I got got in chat, but okay. So this is the cyber kill chain. This is kind of the workflow that threat actors do and pen testers do and red teamers do. But right here, uh, step uh, five and six, like installation of malware and step seven uh, or step six, excuse me, C2 command and control this right. It doesn't say it explicitly, but what is happening here is persistence is being inst installed or set up. Persistence is basically the ability to come back onto the machine without having to go through steps one through four again, right? I don't need to trick Carl. Where are you, Carl? I don't need to trick Carl into falling for a phishing email and giving me his creds or whatever once I've um, compromised him, right? Because if he changes his credentials, oh, I got to go fish him again. No, I get on the box. I get um, access. The One of the first things I'm going to do is install a C2 agent. I'm going to install persistence so I can just get in whenever I want and do what I want. Okay. So persistence, right? Just to take that forward. So with this, these threat actors with this Microsoft key, here's where it gets really, really gnarly. They could have gone YOLO across multiple tenants and installed local, like signed local certificates, which Microsoft would have to go find those certificates and revoke them is my understanding, which would allow them to kind of set up uh, additional softwares that would have been signed and then um, have persistence, right? So there's two things here. One, this is really, really bad, right? So you should be mindful of that. I guarantee you, I guarantee you money that matters to me Microsoft is got a group of people, if not a task force, who are doing incident response on this right now to understand the full breadth and impact of this, right? The fact that they've come out after the 25 last week and now are stating this means that they, they know a lot more than what's being reported. Believe that. And they are going to do an exhaustive search and make sure that they can undo anything that the threat actors have done. The final thing I'll point out, and this is like really interesting, is that you um, one, of the, one of the crappy things with digital forensics incident response is that you have to prove a negative. Let's say for a second the attackers did not successfully install any persistence, any localized malware, anything like that, right? Like Microsoft caught them before they really could do anything. You still have to go look at everything because there isn't a sign off saying, yep, you've checked everything and there's definitely not there. You, you have to assume like, oh my gosh, like 
They are really good at hiding malware, so it could still be there. So you'll never get 100% confidence that you have completely analyzed and searched and, and rooted out everything that the threat actor did. All you can do is have a higher and higher and higher level of confidence that there is nothing there. But in my opinion, you can only get to 99. You can't get to 100. Um, all right, hold on one second. What is this? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Oh, I see. Hold on one second. I see. Let me let me get rid of this QR code then. I didn't check it. All right, we'll talk about the QR code. Thank you. Thank you, um, Eric Taylor, for checking that. All right, we'll talk about the QR code afterwards. All right, long story short, this is wicked bad. This is not the end of the story. Uh, let it ride. Jump cloud breach traced back to North Korean state hackers. U.S.-based enterprise software company Jump Cloud was breached by North Korean Lazarus Group hackers, according to security researchers at Sentinel-1, CrowdStrike, and Mandiant. In a report published on Thursday, Sentinel-1 senior threat researcher Tom Hagel linked the North Korean threat group to the Jump Cloud hack based on multiple indicators of compromise shared by the company in a recent incident report. CrowdStrike Vice President for Intelligence Adam Myers told Reuters the attack was intended for revenue generation. DHL investigating. All right. <clears throat> so Jump Cloud, another breach. Um, the link from the last story. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hold on. Again, again, a request for the link from the last story. Here is the SC Magazine link that we're looking at. And here is the Wiz blog that goes that the SC Magazine thing is built on top of. Hold on. There you go. All right. Um, so Jump Cloud, if you remember, this was like directory as a service authentication. Uh, this got compromised really bad. Um, <clears throat> we weren't. This is the one where like basically Jump Cloud had to make the decision. And this was like the nuclear option. You had to make the decision to um, reset everybody's API keys, right? Which would break apps, which would piss off uh, customers. Yet they did it. Come to find out that um, this threat actor, obviously it's North Korea now, or at least it's being attributed to North Korea, um, had really, really deep access. And it was the only option was to um, reset everybody's account, basically. Uh, North Korea, mostly known for their Lazarus Group, which is a financially motivated APT. It's how North Korea funds their countries. Like basically cybercrime is their main import their gdp is heavily tied to it um but they do do some like light espionage type stuff if i had to guess they said in the story that this breach was not um affiliated with financial gain i would argue okay that this jump cloud wasn't the goal the goal wasn't to to breach jump cloud and get money out of jump cloud this was a a little bit more sophisticated of a strategy where they're going to pop a company that has access to lots of things like an Okta, like a um, Duo or Jump Cloud or any of these other kind of authentication services, and then leverage that in order to spiderweb into other organizations and hit them for financial gain. If I had to guess, okay, um, North Korea is got a advanced. They're an advanced persistent threat. They have at least three different um, groups 
Uh, one is for financial gain. One is spying on for their on their own citizens, and one is spying on uh, their adversaries or perceived adversaries. Right. So. All right, and I guess we're just. This is coming in now that um, it was reported that um, CrowdStrike Vice President. Um, well, BSEC, let me know if that's public knowledge or not. I, I don't want to say it if it's not. Um, but North Korea Lazarus Group. That like, if, if you see North Korea, there's a high probability. There you go, Lazarus Group. There's a high probability that it was based on financial gain. Oh, okay. I guess it's in the story. Uh, Vice President at uh, CrowdStrike, which is a uh, security defense super vendor, um, Adam Myers told routers that the attack was intended for revenue generation. So um, it's totally on 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 par, right? This is what North Korea does. They break into places and they rob it. Just like China mostly breaks into places and steals information for espionage. Uh, like, you know, certain states or countries, they have like kind of a, 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 an MO, right? Yes, they can do other things, but typically what they're doing is similar, right? It's part of it's part of what we're doing here. It's part of uh, I don't want to say part of attribution, but it does it does fold in. Move it breach as number of victims surpasses 20 million. The United Kingdom arm of shipping giant DHL said it is investigating a data breach sourced back to its use of the MoveIt software. In a statement to Recorded Future News, DHL confirmed that one of its software providers was impacted by the vulnerability. Researchers from MSYSOFT have been tracking the number of companies involved in the MoveIt incident, finding that at least 383 organizations have been affected and the information of more than 20 million people has been leaked as a result. Elon. All right. First of all, I want to say shout out to Sherry, the theoretical scientist up in chat right now, retired. Um, but here to enrich herself on the cybers and also be able to help her grandkids out. What's up, Sherry? Welcome to the party. Happy to have you here. All right, guys. So DHL is in the move at Breach. At this point, at this point, I feel like, um, you know, this is what was that like trendy? Um, I don't even want to say it because I don't even know if it's politically incorrect. Um, um, one second. Um, at this point, you know, it's it's like you're either you you are either in the breach <laughs> or you're nobody, right? Like it's almost becoming like a cool kids table where if you're not into um the the move it breach, then you know whatever. Here's the thing. It says victims surpass 20 million. Um, I don't know. They have to mean number of records involved in the breach, not just the number of vendors, because there's no way they, they breached 20 million different. Uh, there wasn't, it, there couldn't have been 20 million different businesses using Move It. Um, all I'm saying is basically right now, the Move It breach is, is super trendy, right? It's like, <laughs> you know, that I, I always do it the um, Will Ferrell. Zoolander, like, oh, like, move it breach victims are so hot right now. Like that that scene from Zoolander. Uh, here's the deal. At this point, move it breach is basically like ransomware. Like it's just it's just a thing that keeps giving. Um, it's it's like a an advent calendar every single day. We're gonna talk more about it. The one thing that I will point out, I saw reports over the weekend that the Klopp ransomware gang, who is behind the move it breach, are on 
trend, and I think it's because of uh, blockchain that they can they can you know see this and calculate this. My understanding is that they're going to make between ninety five and a hundred million dollars right now from this breach. So um, yikes! So that's a lot of cash. Remember. You might say like, oh, wow, $95 million. Like you could retire on an island for that. You, you really could retire on an island. I do want to point out that each member of the Klopp ransomware gang currently has a $10 million bounty on their head from the United States federal government. Not really um, the the group that I would want a um, putting $10 million on my head. Um, there's no honor among thieves. When they are starting to divvy up the $100 million, people are petty. I could easily see, I could easily see, all right, hold on, tinfoil hat. Sherry, uh, we have these emotes here, and one of them is me with a tinfoil hat on, because when I start shooting on from my hip, uh, I put the tin, we put the tinfoil hat on. So I could totally see, even though it's uh, $100 million and there's enough cake there for everybody to eat, I could see after they get all the money and they start handing it out, somebody, right, um, you know, Ivan or Dmitry or whatever. This is a uh, Russian-based um, or Eastern European base, so I'm not being derogatory here. Um, threat, uh, the threat actor group starts dishing the pie out, and then this guy over here is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why is everybody getting $20 million and I'm getting $8 million? This is some BS, and it's like, bro, like, you got here after we already breached everything. You just kind of helped with like the call center stuff. Be happy with eight million, and then that person's all butt hurt. And then they're like, you know what? I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna get closer to my twenty million dollars because I'm gonna get ten million dollars to your head and ten million for yours. You see it all the time. Listen to an episode of Dark Knight Diaries. Like, um, like gangs, gangs, dude. They they get petty. Even though it's a million, even though it's millions of dollars, like this is just a speculation hot take. I could easily see this happening where it comes out, um, and that's it, right? I mean, not to, it's not exactly one to one, but when Russia invaded Ukraine, the Conti ransomware gang was half Ukrainian and half Russian, and they imploded and released all their inform. The Ukrainian side released all of their internal sensitive information public um, because of a disagreement, right? And people, guys, you know as far as well as I do, money makes people do some stupid, stupid stuff. So, um, all right, let's keep going. I had like a really, what I thought was a really cool trendy thing, but I'm also, um, I'm unsure uh, of it. <laughs> Whatever, never mind. Musk says Twitter to change logo. No more birds. Elon Musk said on Sunday he was looking to change Twitter's logo, tweeting, quote, and soon we shall bid adieu to the Twitter brand and gradually all the birds, oh end God. quote. Coffee's so good. A message from Musk tweeted at 12.06 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday morning stated, quote, if a good enough X logo is posted tonight, we'll make it go live worldwide tomorrow, end quote. Elon Musk is like an episode of succession, like... What are we doing here, dude? Like, hold on. First, we got we got to throw our Elon thing in here. I mean, I'll, I'll, okay. So the story isn't really a cyber story. So let's just say it. Everybody knows the Twitter bird. The Twitter bird is iconic. It's ubiquitous. You don't even need to say Twitter anymore. Like you just see the bird, and you know exactly what it is. You see a link on a website. You know, look at. There's probably a link somewhere on this website of the bird, right? This is just some news website. Look. Oh, there it is. Like, I know that's Twitter. 
Now you're going to replace it with an X. Okay. Like, why? <laughs> Did Twitter have like, whatever. Anyway, so here's my thing. Threads kind of went off hot and I have, I'm I, my use of threads, which was like a Twitter killer has kind of waned because I'm still finding threads a little feature bear on discoverability. Um, so I, I'm still using Twitter and threads, right? I haven't uninstalled Twitter, but, and again, I don't care if it's called X or not, but it's just, to me, it's like, and this, this move is like sentimentally and psychologically, it's like killing Twitter and replacing it with a new platform called X. And I know it's the same platform, but mentally the way I'm reconciling this is like, this is the end of Twitter, like, which is going to make it even easier for me to quit and, and hope threads takes off or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so it, this is a nothing story to me. This is just, this is just, um, this doesn't make any sense, right? The company's hemorrhaging money. Elon has kind of like pulled up from the nosedive, even though this thing is a, um, dumpster fire. It's kind of leveled out from all the massive disruption he did when he first landed in here. Um, but this, to me, it's like, it's almost like the fire got put out, the dumpster fire. And and then Elon's like, oh, hold, like, hold my beer. And then like threw more gasoline on it, right? So I, I don't know. Oh, I'm seeing maybe, maybe he's trying to change it so he can make it into a super app. Okay. That would make sense, I suppose. But why not, why not create the super app, call it X, get that, and then kind of merge Twitter into it. What do I know, though, dude? I'm just some schlub who, like, yells into a microphone at 8 a.m. every morning. I don't know anything about running a multi-billion dollar company, but the optics of it and me looking from the outside looking in looks like throwing money into a fireplace and just, like, cackling because you have no... It doesn't, like, you, like it, it just doesn't uh, matter. So, all right, let's keep going. It wasn't really a cyber story. Yeah, like Meta. I, actually, when I saw BSEC say that, um, I was thinking it's like meta where, okay, they're trying to make it vague and generic. Uh, so it's more encompassing, right? Cause if you say Twitter, you think of the Twitter app, um, you wouldn't think of all the other, uh, complimentary apps that they're going to have in there, but whatever, we'll see. I, I don't, it, I don't care. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor app Omni. Over-provisioned users could lead to your most sensitive data being exposed or leaked. Just a single attack on one of those users may compromise your entire SaaS estate. With App Omni's SaaS identity fabric, secure and manage end users, entitlements, and threat-based activity. Gain visibility and control over provisioned users, the SaaS data they have access to, and receive guided remediation. Get connected with SaaS security experts at appomni.com. That's A-P-P-O-M-N-I.com. All right, hold on. Hey, Sherry and everybody else, this is the mid-roll where we do the same thing every day, but we have fun doing it. Hey, 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 hey. All right, everybody, welcome to the mid-roll. Thank you all so very much for being here. If you're getting value out of the show, uh, open your X app and hit the like button. Uh, really, though, if you're on YouTube, go over and hit the like button, please. It does go a long way. It's... It's more of a mechanism to trigger the YouTube algorithm to um, 
notify YouTube that people who normally watch or look for cybersecurity content like yourself, uh, like this program, which will say, oh, other people who are looking for cybersecurity content may like this program also. And that's why I ask you to hit the like button. It helps other people discover. Um, thanks again to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber. Oh, Sean Washington just wanted to share that he has an offer for a SOC analyst position and doing salary negotiations, cyber growth and learning grind, my man. Dude, Sean, so, so happy for you, Sean. Thanks again for the super chat. Thanks for the super chat, Sean, and congratulations on the SOC job. You, my friend, are straight crushing it. You want to talk about someone who uh, uh, perfectly captures the workflow of what you're supposed to do to get in? Sean's killing it. Trey Grady passing his net plus on Saturday. My man. Thank you so much. We're going to have to have a celebration segment. Aaron Taylor with the 50 spot. Ah! Straight melting down now, y'all. Squad members, uh, Barricade Cyber with the 50 spot. Coming in hot. Grab uh, grab up your membership right now. Uh, Carmen Cienego got one if you got it. Um, If you got it... um, you could thank Barricade Cyber Solutions. Again, Barricade Cyber sponsoring the show in so many different ways uh, and supporting the show. Thank you so much, Eric Taylor. Guys, I want to tell you really quickly about Panopsi Security, the third and final sponsor of the stream. Uh, Panopsi Security is involved with quantified risk assessments, among other professional services. The key takeaway that you need to know here is that if you are looking for, um, if you're building a, inf- oh my God, another 50. Oh, that, hold on. Like, I'm melting down over here. I'm in the ringer. I'm in the ringer. I'm like on the line in the kitchen, and I'm in the weeds. If you're feeling me, if you ever worked in a uh, in a in a professional kitchen, you know what I'm talking about. I'm in the weeds, people. Holy crap. Um. I have been derailed. I like. I need to be rebooted right now. Uh, where was? Oh, uh, quantified risk assessment. Um, sorry, Brandon Poole and Panopsi Security. The read has been. Uh, there's been a buffer overflow attack. There's just a string of A's where it used to be the read for the Panopsi Security. Um, hex 41. Hex 41. <laughs> ah. Um, Guys, eliminate fear and uncertainty from security. Use a quantified risk assessment to build your three-year cybersecurity strategy roadmap using fact-based evidence across your people, process, and technology. Make intelligent decisions when you're investing in your cybersecurity program by being informed on where you're spending and what your risk reduction is. Go to PanopsiSecurity.com. Link's in the description below. It's not Panopsi Security. It's Panopsi.com. Love it, love it, love it, guys. Um... Simply Cyber Community Challenge. We are huge on community as the stream has revealed to you. Right now, if you want, Nick Barker, my left coast brother, is currently the baton holder. Uh, needs to tag somebody in chat. The hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Uh, Nick, please tag somebody. Let us know who you're going to go, um, who you're going to tag. This is a, a community challenge. You get the tag, you go on LinkedIn, you post your cyber story, you use the tag, everybody else go and find the tag, comment on it, and connect with those in the community. 
Uh, <laughs> quantified risk sub gifting. Um, so holler, 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 Nick Barker. Thanks so much, guys. The final thing I want to share with you is um, every single day of the week, Sherry, we do a special just for that day activity. Mondays is my son Callan's art of the week. Grayson is Fridays. He gets the joke of the week. This um, weekend, this weekend we went to a birthday party that was at an animal shelter or a uh, like a rescue shelter thing. We spent some time there. Callan um, did some art while he was there. We've got a two-piecer today. So first we've got the kitty cat sticker kit, which kind of looks, you know, okay, okay. But then there's also a, a, a companion mask that he developed. So there we go. I'm, I'm not going to strap it on here, but you can see we've got the um, custom cat mask. So if you want to be a cat burglar or blend in with the kitty cats, Callan has got you covered. Thank you so much, Callan, for your continued artwork every Monday. I love love my boys, and I love how they help with the, uh, with the community. All right, guys. Let's slide back into the stories. Halfway there. Sophisticated bundle bot malware disguised as Google AI chatbot and utilities. A new malware strain known as BundleBot has been stealthily operating under the radar by taking advantage of .NET single-file deployment techniques, enabling threat actors to capture sensitive information from compromised hosts. According to a report from Checkpoint, it is, quote, commonly distributed via Facebook ads and compromised accounts leading to websites masquerading as regular program utilities, AI tools, and games, end quote. Some of these websites aim to mimic Google Bard, enticing victims into downloading a bogus RAR archive called Google underscore AI dot RAR hosted on legitimate cloud storage services such as Dropbox. All right. Um, I, w I will tell him CatGPT. Actually, yeah, this is perfect. Like CatGPT, like this is definitely on brand for you, my man, right? Uh, love it. Uh, okay, guys, so Google AI chatbot. Shall we play a game? Um, okay, two things. First of all, I want to point out that I love this um, this green, okay, uh, this black and green. This takes me back to my Tandy 1000 Commodore 64 Hercules monochrome days, if you know what I'm talking about. Just so we're all on the same page, though, this is basically a screenshot, and then they added a green filter on it because this is Wireshark. This is uh, Wireshark up here, and this is um, uh, PE Edit or PE um, Explorer or whatever. Like, so this is th these are regular apps that are not Hercules Monochrome. Uh, but anyways, I, I do love the green. Uh, it does speak to me, um, guys. The more things change, the more they stay the same. This is while this looks all complicated and interesting and stuff. All this is is a fake landing page that um threat actors set up to look legit i mean this does look pretty pretty legit this doesn't look like some crappy thing um and it's to trick people into think that they're downloading some ai tool another 50 is that what just happened here are we at 150 subs wow okay so eric taylor uh barricade cyber solutions just straight jumping imagine this wow sound but multiply it by 50. all right Thank you so much, Eric Taylor. Thank you so much, Barricade Cyber. Uh, and to all the new squad members, holla, holla, holla. Uh, love it, love it, love it. Um, 
Okay, so guys, basically this is Threat Actor 101. Like if you are gonna take, well, if you're gonna take my Cybersecurity 101 course that's due out um, this fall, um, you will learn this. This is basically how you would, uh, this, is, <laughs> this is Threat Actor training wheels, okay? Set up a website that looks legit. Uh, get trick people either by buying Google ads, by sending it to them um, via email, whatever. Get them to go to this website and then they're gonna log in which gives them your their which you can give get their creds from them right so they'll put their username and password in now you've stolen that you can give them a pop up or something like that they're tricking you into downloading a um file a .net single file deployment technique right so you're basically downloading a, a like oh double click this in order to install you install it locally maybe they say it's a you know, localized instance of Bard. It's the next AI app killer. It's the new X app from Twitter. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter because it's not actually what it is. It's just malware. They're telling you whatever you want to hear for you to double click it and install it. And once you install it, boom, they, they, they got you on the box. They got, they got a foothold. And now they're going to establish persistence. Remember the cyber kill chain. They're going to establish persistence. They're going to do C2. They're going to, uh, you know, install... Um, information stealers, uh, key sniffers or keyboard sniffers, um, those type of things and off and running. This is basic a, um, cyber kill chain 101. So be on the lookout for it. But you're, you know, this is one of those things that like, this is why you have endpoint detection response, EDR. This is why you have anti-malware on endpoints. This is why you tell Carl not to install stupid stuff on his computer because this is, this is a, this is a bread and butter, you know, this is pancakes on the weekend, right? Like this is like a normal thing that a lot of threat actors do, right? DDoS hits only fans. Uh -oh. Anonymous Sudan, an apparent pro-Russian hacktivist persona affiliated with Killnet, claimed a one-hour DDoS attack on OnlyFans on Wednesday, the latest in a string of operations aimed at targets in the US and Europe. Mandiant stated that while it, quote, cannot confirm collaboration or cooperation with Russian security services, Killnet's targeting of victims consistently reflects the interests of the Russian state, end quote. Swedish cybersecurity firm Trusec adds, quote, it's not clear who is behind Anonymous Sudan, but it almost certainly is not part of the larger Anonymous collective and likely has nothing to do with the original Anonymous Sudan, end quote. <laughs> All right, so that's kind of weird. All right, so the this is one of those rare instances where um, a threat actor operated in the space, did their things, and now there's another threat actor that's potentially not the original one, but claiming the same name and moniker. This is kind of tricky to do because threat actors are actually named by defenders um, based on indicators of compromise and attribution and TTPs and stuff like that. It's not like... I mean, you can come out and say we are anonymous Sudan, right? Like hacktivist groups, ideology uh, based uh, attackers will do that. But it's very rare where you see one who's claiming to be a group that is no longer that group. Um, anonymous Sudan has done a bunch of different things, but they're associated with distributed denial of service attacks. Uh, Killnet, you could see Killnet um, mentioned several times in the in the story. Killnet is a hacktivist group that's Russian based, they're pro-Russian war. Um, 
and they do uh, denial of service attacks, which is basically if there is an internet facing asset, meaning any asset on the internet that you and I could ping right now or send traffic to, because you can disable ping, right? Um, then you can push a ton of traffic to it because it's publicly accessible. You can't say only these people are allowed to send traffic. Um, I mean, te technically you can, right? If you go through like Cloudflare or something. But my point is, this is what um, Killnet does and they're very good at it. Anonymous Sudan also. Now they're saying that they might be affiliated in some way. Um, I mean, it doesn't, whatever. And then, so they turn their sites on OnlyFans. So for one hour, whoopee, right? Like, I guess it is a business, right? But for one hour, OnlyFans was down, I suppose. So for one hour, people had to do something else besides, you know, scratch the itches that they have. Um, OnlyFans is a uh, for-profit company, so I'm sure they had a problem. Um, I would imagine that OnlyFans does have information security professionals who work there um, and, and probably had to do IR on it. Uh, it is a uh, internet-based business so they're you know they are heavy in technology um so whatever i don't know why why only fans though i mean i don't know and to me it's like what what was really the point other than to maybe make make news i could see okay i could see i could see this okay i could see okay only fans isn't the, uh, by the way i don't see these stories in advance nor do i research them in advance so these thoughts are coming to me in real time. I could see this um, attacking anonymous, uh, excuse me, attacking OnlyFans, bringing the site down, then emailing the executive team or whatever and saying, hey, we're the ones behind the attack. Um, pay us, you know, whatever, a million dollars, and then we'll stop the attack. Now, you've got to remember when you're an online business like Netflix or OnlyFans, right? When you're down, you are down. Like, I don't know how OnlyFans work if it's like a, a monthly subscription or something like that. So like if you're down for an hour, you're not really losing revenue because it's not like you have to be connected in your. It's not like a. It's not like one. It's not like Top Golf or one of these bar places where you pay by the time. Uh, you you pay a monthly sub. So chances are, they didn't lose money per se, but it probably scared the crap out of them because they were probably getting a lot of angry customers, uh, both the consumers and the producers of content on OnlyFans. Um, so maybe that was the the play to get paid. Uh, and only after one hour uh, did they pay the extortion and then they Anonymous Sudan released the attack. But just that's how I could envision this happening. But at the same time, guys, one hour is not a lot of time. Like I start the attack. Like Just bear with me. I start the attack. I send you a message. I say, I'm the one doing it. If you pay me, I'll make it stop. You pay me. I get my money. I make it stop. One hour is a very short window for all of that to happen. Even if everybody was on the same page, right? Like just moving the money, validating the transfer. Like that takes about an hour, right? Like who, like, it's not like I call OnlyFans and I speak to the CEO immediately and I'm like, I'm the guy doing it, right? Like that probably would take over an hour anyways. So... I don't know. The story doesn't really check out, but I'm trying to figure out trying to figure out what the at the end of the day, at the end of the day, straight cash, homie. Anonymous Sudan is ideologically motivated, but this sounds like a straight cash, homie, all about the Benjamins on this one. Researchers warn of several DDoS botnets exploiting Zycel devices. Part of an ongoing story 
Fortinet FortiGuard Labs researchers warned of multiple DDoS botnets exploiting a vulnerability impacting multiple Zycel firewalls. The flaw, tracked as CVE-2023-28771 with a CVSS score of 9.8, is a command injection issue that could potentially allow an unauthorized attacker to execute arbitrary code on vulnerable devices. Zycel addressed the vulnerability in late April and advised customers to install the provided patches. Researchers from Rapid7 confirmed that they are tracking reports of ongoing exploitation of this exploit, stating that as of May 19th, there were at least 42,000 instances of Zycel devices on the public internet. They added, quote, since the vulnerability is in the VPN service, which is enabled by default on the WAN, we expect the actual number of exposed and vulnerable devices to be much higher, end quote. All right. Zixel continue like Zixel and QNAP are kind of um <laughs> like I, I I like to think of them as like these tier three vendors where like they have a huge presence in the market but their products are like constantly getting abused um um <laughs> so anyways another story of Zixel being a critical flaw being vulnerable if you're running Zixel devices in your environment. You may want to investigate whether or not, um, you know, whether or not you have them, and then if you can apply these patches or not. Um, they said multiple botnets are exploiting the vulnerability. So you got to remember, guys, when you read this, right? Multiple botnets are exploiting the vulnerability. This doesn't mean that the vulnerability allows you to do a denial of service attack on the device, right? Which would be bad, anyways. What they are saying is it's a command injection that can allow unauthorized attacker to execute arbitrary code. Arbitrary code, when you see arbitrary code, what that should indicate to you is basically that they can create a uh, like reverse shell back to their own box and get on the device. Like if you can execute anything on the box, what you're going to want to execute is an ability for you to get onto the box, right? You're not, you're not executing like, you know, uh, like, changing the message of the day and then giggling to yourself and running away. No, you want to get a foothold on this machine, escalate your privileges and then own it. So what this is really bad. Now they're saying that uh, denial of service, like the fact that it says distributed denial of service is, is uh, silly. Okay. So this is just my opinion as a practitioner. This is silly that this DDOS here is that like, it's almost possible that whoever wrote this article, uh, was confused or didn't know what they were talking about. It, it's not that it's a dis, dis, distributed denial of service botnet exploiting it. It's just multiple botnets are exploiting it. There is a fleet of zombie machines out there that are being told to go search for this vulnerability across the internet and if discovered, exploit it and add that machine to the botnet. That's how I would see it. It has nothing to do with distributed denial of service. Now, once you take advantage, once you compromise that Sixel device and you now have it in your like zombie farm, you could execute a distributed denial of service attack with it, but that's not what the, that's not what's happening here. Um, if you are running these versions, Zixel, Zywall, USG series, um, the VPN series, the Flex series, the ATP series, um, you are vulnerable. CISA has added it to its list of known vulnerabilities. So Jen Easterly, let's get you up on on stream here. There's Jen Easterly, uh, the, CISA, uh, the the director of uh, CISA. Um, 
It's been added to the Active Exploited Catalog, which I love. I'm going to drop a link in here. If you have a vulnerable system in your environment that's showing up on this list, you should absolutely fix it. This is partially how you prioritize what vulnerabilities to remediate in what order. If it's on this list, you, you, you really need to escalate the priority of closing it. All right, so way to go, Zixel. You continue to have market share despite the fact that you're constantly getting slapped around um, with vulnerabilities. And now, last week in ransomware. Last month, in fact, a new ransomware operation named No Escape, or No Underscore Escape, was launched that quickly began amassing a stream of new corporate victims. According to ransomware expert Michael Gillespie, this is a rebrand of Avadon, A-V-A-D-D-O-N, who shut down their operation in June of 2020 after being pursued by law enforcement. Other ransomware news last week includes a new Sophos Encrypt ransomware that impersonates Sophos. Fin8 threat actors were seen deploying the Alf V ransomware using sardonic malware. Big Head ransomware displayed fake Windows updates alerts. And of course, Klopp's data theft attacks using the Move It Transfer Zero Day confirms to claim additional victims. According to a new Coveware report released last week, these attacks are expected to earn the gang between 75 and $100 million in extortion payments. Yep, as I said earlier on the stream. All right, uh, so first of all, a couple, couple wins in there for law enforcement. All right, way to go, law enforcement. Uh, it is Monday, so there is like a ransomware roundup from last week. Uh, we covered some of these stories. Um, just for uh, the community's uh, interest and for people, newcomers. Um, I've never heard of Avadin ransomware before, but they look like they're a, um, they've rebranded as No Escape, right? Um, or if I understand that correctly. Basically, yeah, No Escape was a rebrand of Avadin. So if law enforcement's coming after you, um, these threat actors, one of the easy things they can do is go Johnny dangerously and rip the, rip the paint off the car and make it look like a different car. And maybe the police don't look for you. Um, guys, like this is, this is pretty low, low hanging fruit. Like you, just cause you rename yourself, um, the law enforcement typically knows who the players are and it's tied to the human individual behind the keyboard, not, not what they're calling themselves online. So whatever, uh, no escape. If they do arrest, um, if they do arrest, no escape people, they will be held accountable likely for Avadin's uh, crimes as well. They also mention um, in here that the police have arrested a Ukrainian scareware developer after 10 years hunting this individual down. The story's behind a paywall or an ad. I got to disable my ad blocker, which I'm not going to do. Um, so, I don't know, man. I like you don't really hear too often about ten-year hunts for for like an individual. Um, not to say law enforcement doesn't work their butt off, but you don't typically hear of that long um, uh, of a of a manhunt. So way to go, law enforcement! Love the commitment, love the conviction, love the vigilance. Let's do it one more time. Jesse Johnson, other law enforcement people who are active law enforcement people who are uh, my transition law enforcement. We really appreciate it. All right. That's going to do it for today's stream on the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing Podcast. Before, before we go, though, I do want to tell everybody, 
Later today at 4 p.m., I will be streaming uh, Haiku Pro. I'll be playing a Capture the Flag Cyber Range. Uh, I'll be playing music. We'll be having a good time. If you're interested in hanging out, I have not scheduled it yet, so you can't go on to the YouTube page and see it, but I'll schedule it right after um, right after the stream this morning. Um, okay, so later today, 4 p.m. If you're here just for the news, tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, will be uh, episode 415 of the podcast, so giddy up on that. 285 people on the stream. Guys, before before you go, um, I want to share a couple updates. This is uh, germane to the channel, so this isn't just jawjacking. Um, the YouTube studio in the backyard is almost done, right? I, I haven't given an update on that in a while. Uh, we're putting built-ins in. We're going to move in. Um, it's It looks like it's lining up with the launch of a companion channel that I have talked about on the stream recently. I'm going to play a short little intro to kind of tease it. Um, this is coming September 2nd, 2023. Let's take a look. All right, that was it. The SC Cafe. This is going to be, um, if you think of a mullet, Simply Cyber is business up front. The SC Cafe is party in the rear. We are going with a casual companion stream where jaw jacking AMAs, resume roasts, hangouts, good times. Uh, guys, we are cyber professionals and it is a lifestyle, but it's not all business all the time. We do have community. We do have engagement. Uh, there's a lot of things that we like to talk about, and I want to separate the two uh, so people who are looking to just get educated can come to Simply Cyber, and people who are looking to be part of the community and, and those type of things, we will have the cafe. So stay tuned. More information on that. Uh, like I said, September 2nd, you can set your watch to it. I'm going to be launching um, and going, going YOLO uh, up there. So I hope you're as excited as I am. Obviously, it's going to have a... 80s 90s retro synth wave vibes uh because that's my jam and that's where it's that's what's that's what's up all right let me check my calendar really quickly to see if i have a 9 a.m meeting um all right and then Cool. I do not have a meeting. I can hang out. Now, if this was, um, yes, Sean Washington. Yes, yes, yes. Sean, Sean came back with a counter offer. Um, Sean, I'd love to get details. Um, either DMS. I know we had had a conversation. Um, I know we had had a conversation. I'd love to get a, a um, follow up on that but congratulations sean um hopefully uh, you know you were able to use the lessons in the um the like how to negotiate a job interview i mean excuse me how to negotiate a job offer i know it is super high stressful but my man sean you got the job you got the cashish you got the community rock on my friend guys i want to say shout out to jim wales jim wales has picked up the simply cyber community baton uh, so, Jim, look forward to your post there, my man. 
Guys, so, so, so uh, super pumped for you. Adam V wants to know what's stronger, the crank coffee or this bulletproof coffee? Oh, guys, uh, nothing was stronger than the crank coffee. Um, that crank coffee was, like, dangerous. This is just my normal French roast. Uh, French roast in my French press. And uh, it's so good. Jenny Housley uh, modding and, and slinging questions at me. Thank you, Jenny. Uh, Frank wants to know... Um, I had a question for the community about threat actor Storm0558. This is the one who's associated with the Microsoft um, signing key. Uh, you can't find them on MITRE ATT&CK. Okay, so Frank's talking about MITRE ATT&CK and... Um, so MITRE ATT&CK is this really awesome, super useful resource by the community. or Well, by MITRE, but it's informed by the community. And at the top, there's groups. And all the groups are over here. It's important to note, um, Frank, that... This is not an exhaustive list. Um, while there are many groups here, there are some that are not known. Sometimes um, a group may have like a new developer or a new a person in the group or whatever. Um, so the techniques being used, they can't uh, with a high confidence attribute it to an existing threat actor. So that they maybe come up with a new one, but that doesn't mean that it isn't an old one. Let me take a quick look at this. Um, this is the original story here. Let me see if I can find Storm 0558, okay? This is Microsoft calling it, um, this group, by the way, too. So different vendors will attribute different names. Um, right? Like, so this is Microsoft's naming convention. Um, they, I usually get on a rant about not having... Um, like having multiple names for the same threat actor uh, and why it's frustrating, but different, you know, if, if a company like Microsoft says, oh, it's this one and another company says it's also this one, but one of them's wrong, it can lead to more confusion. Trying to see if I can find any information around other names. It's definitely China. Dev0558. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Frank. I guess, Frank, the TLDR here is just know that MITRE ATT&CK is not um, comprehensive and exhaustive. It is just a, you know, it's an opportunity to document as best as we can and continue to add to it. And that's why Storm 0558 or 588 isn't in there because either we don't know enough about it to attribute it. It hasn't been captured in um, MITRE ATT&CK yet. But this is, MITRE ATT&CK is a, a living resource a living document if you will uh leon elliott has a question trying to get a better understanding of sticks and taxi maybe a quick overview or breakdown of it all right so sticks and taxi really quickly um and and by the way this is not my uh super strength i do know about it but it's not my super strength um Frank is saying that it's potentially APT31, uh, the, the storm threat actor. Okay, so guys, sticks and taxi. Here's the deal. There's a lot of threat intel information out there, indicators of compromise, right? So when you have an attack, um, there's like IP addresses that are coming from, hashes that the files have, domain names, certain tools, certain, you know, like the malware detonates and it creates as some file in the temp directory or it creates some scheduled task 
in scheduled task or cron job or whatever, right? Like there's certain behaviors. Well, it is unbelievably time consuming to get like a, you know, a, a notepad or an email with this information and then to copy and paste it into like your EDR solution or your firewall solution or whatever, or into your SIM to look and go thread hunting to see if you actually have a compromise in your environment. So sticks and taxi was an attempt or it is an attempt to have a normalized industry accepted standard for communicating this type of information in a way that security vendors can develop some type of ingestion mechanism into their tools so you can ingest this information in a known way so think of think of it as a standard protocol right my computer can talk to your computer because we both are set up with a TCP IP network stack, right? If you were running some type of weird, um, I don't even remember the old ones, but like a Novell network, right? Or, or I forget like um, some of the really old standards that never really made it, but like think of like Blu-ray and DVD, what was it, HD DVD, right? If I'm running Blu-ray up in here and you drop an HD DVD disc on me or Betamax and VHS, we can't communicate, we can't share information, but if we all agree on VHS as a standard, then the, the products you're making to play the content, the content I'm making that goes on these mediums, we can share it, right? Sticks and Taxi is the, taxi is the same thing for this thread intel, intel to ingest. Um, hopefully that clarifies it. Um, all right, hopefully, um, Whoever asked that question, Leon Elliott, let me know if that answers your question, Leon. And for the community, if I said anything wrong about Sticks and Taxi, holler at me. I do not understand why it hasn't been as widely adopted, um, but uh, I'm seeing Miter Attack, APT31, Storm Zero, um, China. Let me see. So APT31, fire, oh boy, this is in a different language. All right, whatever, I'm not gonna bother with that right now. Um, Tim McDonald wants to know, were you able to get the shirts printed for Simply CyberCon? Um, that would be an update. Um, no, unfortunately at this time, uh, we should have an update later this week. Kimberly McKnight, by the way, can I just for a second, can we share, um, I gotta tell you guys, Kimberly McKnight has been, like what's the best emote here? Like I need like an iHeart Kimberly. Um, what would be the best one? Uh, I guess this one maybe. Kimberly McKnight, AKA Kimberly can fix it in chat. She has been barnstorming on the Simply CyberCon. She's been straight crushing it. Look at the website right now, guys. It is amazing, it's unbelievable. Um, if you're a speaker, you know what's up. You're going to see it in there. Come check it out. Simply CyberCon, November 8th. Kimberly has been busting her hump and doing amazing work. And she's also uh, over the shirts, which we'll see later today. Uh, excuse me, by the later this week. But check it out. This is what we're doing here, guys. This is the entire con. These are our speakers. You guys are wonderful. Chuck Sapp's in here. Uh, Dan Reardon's up in here. Mike, Marcus Seiler, I see you. James Rice, Cat GPT. Shall we play a game? There's Kimberly herself, not just on the back end, but also on the front end. John Hoyt, Siso uh, Clemson, uh, MDK, Joe Hudson. We all love ourselves some Joe Hudson. 
I, I made it. Uh, <laughs> I made it here uh, with closing sessions. So again, this is going to be an amazing conference. We have so many initiatives going on that it's hard to like touch base on all of them. Uh, but believe me, we are working our A off uh, to, you know, bring a great, great experience to the community. So stay tuned. Thanks for the ask about the shirts. Um, question, do you know of an attack that lets a system cycle to Windows restore key, then resets to go, just go back to ask for the restore key again? Steven Mount, I have not heard of that attack. Um, I have not heard of that attack, but let me... Let's see. Um, no, I mean, what I'm seeing is around recovering from ransomware. I have not heard of this attack, um, Steven. Sorry. I, I wish I had more information, but uh, that would be a new one for me. I know, Cat GPT. I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to be in the background and, um, you know, be quiet and uh yeah i made it to the i made it to the front end so it'll be a great the conference is going to be amazing we got john strand keynoting my man john strand guy's got his own emote here boink, 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 boink. there we go john strand great guy this dude like personifies what the simply cyber community is all about i can't think I wanted Jen Easterly. She would have been an amazing keynote speaker, but really for the inaugural Simply CyberCon. That's right. I said inaugural. We'll probably do it annually. John Strand is the most appropriate, most ideal keynote speaker. I'm super excited. John has accepted the request. Uh, Dash wants to know, any tips on starting your own contractor tech company? So Dash... Many of you, I don't know if you guys know this personally, okay? Uh, but I do Simply Cyber. I work at Haiku. I teach at the Citadel. But I also, if you go to my LinkedIn, you'll see it uh, buried deep in there. I own um, Coastal Information Security Group, which is basically um, an LLC that enables me to do uh, information security consulting. So if you got, you know, some work or a problem or whatever, I can help you. I don't really pitch the services. It's much more uh, through my network. So what I would say, Dash, is if you're going to start your own contractor test company I or tech company, I would do the following. I would go through the process of setting up, like get the LLC, right? Register the business, get a business bank account, right? Kind of like get the, get the, the, the big, big pieces in place, right? You don't have to, like I started my company in 2016 and I didn't really... I did a bunch of work at the, in 2016 and then 17 and 18, I kind of was chill. So you can get these things in place and not have to be like hyper-focused on it. But by getting all of the big pieces in place first, like kind of the logistics of having a business, then when you focus on like getting business, you're not like, you're not thinking about like, oh, I got to do this. Like if they're like, oh yeah, so send us a quote and you're like, send, you know, you're sending it from like, I mean, you could send it from your Gmail account and stuff like that, but like, it's just, you're going to want to focus on getting business when you want to focus on getting business. So the one thing I would definitely suggest is get all your logistics and support and infrastructure in place first. It doesn't cost a lot of money. It isn't free, but it doesn't cost a lot of money to kind of get that up. And then you can go get work. Um, your network is incredibly valuable. 
you are not going to be able, I mean, as far as I know, you're not going to be able to like, say you're open for business and hang a shingle out front of your house and be like, here we go. Um, you need to, you need to network. You need to tell people that you're going to be starting a business. Um, you could say you're starting a business or you've started one and you could do some work and wait until you get your first client and then race around and do your uh, infrastructure stuff first. Excuse me. Get get your first paying gig and then set up your company and everything with the money from that gig. You could do that. That's what we did. Like when I originally started Coastal, it's because I had a big job opportunity, right? It was like a whatever, like $15,000, $20,000 gig. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's do that. And then like we immediately like it was me and one other guy. I bought him out of the company like right after that gig. But like, you, you know what I'm saying? And by the way, Dash, uh, Eric Taylor, there's several people who own small businesses in here. Um, and they can comment on this. That would be, hey, take it easy, Jamie Fleck. That actually would be a great topic for the SC Cafe. We could do an entire live stream on best and worst practices, lessons learned from starting a small business. All right. Leon Elliott says, are there cybersecurity companies that take on clients as a pro bono for X amount of time to display their value? Um, yeah, no, I don't really think so, Leon. I mean, what, what I have seen, what I have seen, and I, I don't do this. So I've gotten my, my client engagements. I mostly do like CISO, vCISO, GRC stuff. That's like my service offering. But I have seen typically, you know, you get in there for like a small engagement, a low value engagement, like a a, you know, like a $15,000 pen test or something. And then you crush the pen test and then you get follow on work because now you're a trusted uh, authority in the cyberspace. Um, I'd also recommend uh, you can do like local network, like local, like I joined like a business network thing in my area. Uh, I was the only cyber person. It was a lot of like small businesses, but you talk and stuff. So I've had uh, people from that community send me work so that's another way and i send them work too like that's another way to kind of build your book of business dash says uh, i have a potential client already who wants to contract me so can i take on the work before setting everything up oh yeah 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 yeah. dash if you have a client who's ready to rock and roll um go for it and if you're serious about making it a real business i would i would suggest or i'd advise i would if it were me take a small portion of the money you get from that client and set up, you know, like in the state of South Carolina, it's like a few hundred bucks to set up an LLC and, and protect yourself from that way. Um, you can get a, um, you know, some boilerplate contract language. Make sure you execute a contract that it spells out what you're going to be providing, what they're going to be paying, all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, if you can do that, go for it. Um, all right. What did Nick Barker say? Be sure you know what you're liable for. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. There there are contracts out there. Look for like professional services contract. I mean like Dash, I don't know what kind of work you're going to be doing, but like think about this. Like, like say you go on their network and you like, you do a scan and you blow up like for whatever reason. There's one reason. Let's just say you go on their network and you blow up some type of like old legacy technology or something like that. And it screws the business. 
Well, you were just doing a vulnerability scan, right? Like you weren't trying to knock the business over, but so you'd want you want that spelled out that like, you know, through the course of me doing work, there is potential that disruptions can occur and you accept this potential risk. Although we minimize all uh, likelihood of this happening, it is possible, right? Also, also make sure that you spell out in your contract that whatever services you're doing, you cannot 100% reduce risk. Like you can't go there because here's the, imagine this, you go there like, like me, I go do CISO work, right? And then I finish my work and the next day they get hit with ransomware. Well, they could be like, you were just here. You secured us. How is this possible? You failed at your job. And obviously I would be like, no, like it's cyber resiliency, not cybersecurity. First of all, second of all, I put in the contract that I'm not going to give you 100% certainty of removal from any type of cyber risk now or ever in the future. So I can help you recover from this, but you know, like be transparent, but also cover your butt. You do not want that. Yeah. If you could talk to a lawyer. Guys, you know what I would say? This is definitely an SC Cafe live stream. If there's that much interest from the community, we could even do like a recurring meeting um, around cyber business. You know what I mean? Like, all, although it's kind of maybe that's more appropriate for simply cyber, the the because that's the business, right? The part the party the parties in the back at the cafe, uh, setting up a business and in, in legal terms and all that. That's much more front of the house stuff, right? Take it easy, Andre Escobar. All right. Cool, Dash. Nailing it. Uh, SC Cafe Episode 1, hanging, hanging your own shingle, yeah. I think Episode 1... Well, Episode 1 is going to take place on, like, a Saturday, so I think it's just going to be a chill AMA uh, laying out the uh, foundation and expectations for the cafe. Uh, but, yeah, no, we'll, we'll do it. Uh, I got some big news coming up for, for the community. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just say this for now until I can make a larger, uh, scaled announcement, you know, after I, I'm excited for September 2nd, launching the channel, I hope to be in the studio. Um, I'm certainly going to have a lot more time to be able to focus on the community and support the demands that having two channels would warrant. Um, so I'll just leave it there. Okay. Um, Alex. Katsanos is saying seven companies, including Google and Meta, agree with the White House to assess the risk of AI, including cybersecurity. Good. They need to move faster because AI is not slowing down. Joey Hyde wants to know where I have time for all this. Yeah, Joey, I don't know, man. It's all about compartmentalization. Um, so Eric Taylor asks here, uh, I'm going to do a poll for this question because um, I'll give my answer, but I want the community All right, what do you prefer or use most? Bard or ChatGPT or other? Or I don't use AI. Okay, let's ask the community. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna vote. Um, can I vote? How do I vote? Can I vote? I can't vote. Huh. So here's an interesting thing on it. I've done a review between Bard and ChatGPT and I showed in the video that Bard performed better than ChatGPT in my opinion. However, 
I find myself using ChatGPT when I do go use AI. I don't use, like, even though I, I think Bard did a better job, I find myself using ChatGPT more often. So, there, you know, I guess there is that. Billy Presley, LOL, using Worm GPT. I like it. Uh, Leon Elliott asks, are these open to anyone to do the CTFs that you do at 4 p.m.? So Leon Elliott, um, today's 4 p.m. Normally, uh, yes, you can follow along. Today's, I don't think they're get, you're going to be able to. I don't think you'll be able to play with me uh, on the platform today. But normally, yes, you can follow along. Uh, there's the the company that hosts it, Haiku. They're doing a little bit of a back end um, infrastructure update, which would prevent. Um, uh, prevent doing that uh but if you do have a uh pro subscription to haiku you would be able to follow along that doesn't stop you from that i think i'm going to be doing a um gdb so the new debugger um lab so it'll be a really uh kind of deep technical operating system type lab type thing 66 votes um i'm going to end the poll here Looks like overwhelming uh, ChatGPT people. All right, guys. I'm going to boogie out of here. I got to schedule my 4 p.m. stream. I got some DMs coming in. I got to handle. Guys, thank you all so very much. Super excited about the cafe. Super excited to get another week. I'm just happy. Guys, happy to be breathing. Happy to be standing upright. celebrating I, I well here, here's a little tidbits tuesday like celebrated my uh wedding anniversary this weekend with mrs osier uh love my wife had a great great experience with her uh, we were able to get the kids watched and uh she and i were able to have a very nice evening uh on saturday celebrating our wedding uh anniversary thank you space tacos yep we nadine yeah, Nadine. Nadine's my wife. Nadine and I have been together a very long time. So it's nice to take a take a pause for a moment and, and uh, focus on each other. So thank you, everybody. I hope to see you at 4 p.m. Eastern time later today for the stream. If not, I will see you guys on uh, Monday. Uh, I will see you tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time for the Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast. I'm Dr. Osier. You guys are chat. Thanks so much for being amazing, all of you guys. Uh, you really make the community awesome and, and just a delight to be part of. Be good. And until next time, stay secure. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one.